I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. For generations, organizations like the Boy Scouts have used merit badges to motivate kids to master new skills and to recognize and reward them when they do. Now, new groups are applying that same approach in an attempt to reboot professional development for American teachers, offering educators the chance to earn micro-credentials that signal their expertise in specific areas. Proponents hope micro-credentialing will transform how K-12 teachers are prepared, hired, and assigned classroom responsibilities. But there are a few hurdles that need to be cleared to make that vision a reality. I'm Marty West, Editor-in-Chief of Education Next, and joining me today to discuss the use of micro-credentials in the classroom is Michael Horn. Michael is a distinguished fellow at the Clayton Christensen Institute for Disruptive Innovations, a nonprofit think tank he helped found. He's co-author of the award-winning 2008 book, Disrupting Class, How Disruptive Innovation Will Change How the World Learns, and, of course, he's an executive editor at Education Next. Michael, thanks for taking the time to join me for this week's podcast. Yeah, my pleasure to be with you, Marty. So your column in the spring 2017 issue of the journal, it's co-authored with Thomas Arnett, and it's called Competency-Based Learning for Teachers. This was a topic that was completely new to me, and I suspect it will also be uh, that way for many listeners. So let's start with the basics. What is a micro-credential? Yeah, so it's very similar to the intro you gave. Uh, like a scouting badge, it's, it's teachers completing specific activities uh, to develop a critical competency uh, in, in use uh, in, in a classroom. And so, uh, but it's basically a discrete skill uh, or, or, or a move, if you will, that they would use in a classroom. And, and what I think is interesting about this is it's not just them filling out a test to show that they've mastered understanding of some discrete set of knowledge, but that they actually have to apply it in the classroom and show evidence of mastery of that skill. And then they earn a micro-credential that says, hey, this teacher can uh, perfect this form of classroom management, or this teacher can use nonverbal cues to assess student understanding, things like that. So how would they go about being assessed in order to earn the credential to demonstrate their mastery? Yeah, so they, they make a, a use portfolio of work. It could be video of their performance in class. It could be actually uh, evidence of student work changing, uh, any number of artifacts, in essence, that you would assemble uh, as required by the issuer of the credential, and you upload that into a site, and people assess, in essence, does this actually constitute mastery of the skill that we want teachers to perfect here? So proponents of this idea like to contrast it with traditional approaches to professional development for teachers, which uh, are often considered ineffective, inefficient, um, unattractive for many reasons. Can you help us understand the key differences between this approach and traditional PD? Yeah, I think the big idea is that traditional PD, you think, happens three, four times a year, picture a bunch of educators in a large lecture hall where some boring person like me who wrote a book uh, comes around and gets paid money to basically uh, deliver knowledge to them about some new practice in, in education. And it may or may not have any applicability to where those teachers are in their current teaching trajectory, the problems that they're facing on any given day. A lot of them probably just sit there grading homework in the back. 
Uh, and then they get credit afterwards for that professional development, uh, for the seat time, in essence, that they uh, sat through uh, listening to this lecture or, or whatever form of professional development it might be. It could also occur through a local college, for example. Uh, but there's very little to do with did you actually master the skill uh, that, that was being talked about. The big difference with micro-credentials is not only that shift from seat time to mastery, but also theoretically teachers could be selecting the micro-credentials that they want to work on based on the places that they need to get stronger in the moment or the places that they're struggling uh, as an educator with their students. And it's that second component that I think is also really intriguing, the notion of personalizing uh, the professional development for different teachers based on their strengths and weaknesses. So some of the same arguments that have been made on behalf of personalizing instruction for students based on their needs and level of mastery apply equally well, perhaps, to teachers. That's exactly right. And a lot of people like me wonder, actually, to get good personalized learning for students, is it going to have to be the case that teachers are going to have to experience this first so that they understand what works and what doesn't as you make this move? And then they port those practices into the classroom with their students. Now, the other comparison that comes to mind to me is National Board for Professional Teaching Standards Certification, right? And this is a process that teachers in many states undergo to certify them as being a particularly effective educator based on a portfolio of work that's supposed to demonstrate their competence. But maybe this is a unbundling of that form of certification, that's exactly right. Un unbundling is the exact word, and, and, and it's a more precise understanding of what a teacher can do well, right? You can be pretty good at a, at a bunch of skill sets, get that national board certification, uh, have a couple weak areas, but still get by. This is going to much more closely identify these are the strengths that this teacher has, and the lack of a badge might indicate, well, they haven't mastered this particular part of the craft yet. Now, one of the challenges for national board certification has been demonstrating that teachers who are able to undergo that process are actually more effective in the classroom. Where are we in terms of trying to identify discrete skills or competencies that teachers could demonstrate in order to earn a micro-credential that they're really associated with effectiveness? Yeah, I, I personally think this is the last mile question that really needs to get answered before we get too excited about this trend. Uh, right now, I don't see much in the way of connection between actual student outcomes uh, and, and teacher outcomes. So, so it, it feels like it's a step, you know, step change from the traditional PD system that just focused on did a teacher sit through the delivery of professional development. Now we're saying did practice actually change? That's good, but it's not good enough. It's not actually tracking to student outcomes themselves. And, and from my perspective, that's the next step. But the promise, I guess you could say, is that they're, uh, the leading platform, uh, in this case, Digital Promise and Bloomboard, have partnered to offer micro-credentials. They are using such reputable providers as the Relay Graduate School of Education uh, and, and folks like that that have some good experience and evidence that, that these moves do lead to student outcomes. But I think we're still quite a ways away from answering the question you asked. So who are Digital Promise and Bloomboard, and how are they working together? They seem to be the key players in this space. Yeah, they are. Uh, Digital Promise is a nonprofit that was created by an act of Congress and signed into law by uh, President Bush in 2008. Uh, really, though, a, a dream of the Democratic side, and it got its uh, legs under uh, the Obama administration uh, in, in uh, a couple years in and, and uh, 
former speechwriter for President Obama was the first CEO of it, and now Karen Cater, the former head of the Office of Education Technology under President Obama, uh, is now the CEO of Digital Promise and has really been pushing this direction. She partnered uh, Digital Promise with Bloomboard, which is a for-profit startup out of Silicon Valley, uh, very focused on personalizing professional development for teachers that got its start uh, really in the observational landscape uh, space around uh, teacher uh, performance uh, and has moved into this space in partnership with Digital Promises as a promising way forward for the company. And so these micro-credentials are available through these organizations. They're generated based on ideas from Relay and others. If I'm a teacher out there in a classroom, why would I go out and try to earn one of these credentials? Yeah, so this is the part that I was really skeptical of going into the piece that I wrote for Education Next. And what the answer seems to be is actually that states are starting to make these uh, credentials available uh, to correspond to the step increases in, in teacher salaries uh, and, and the continuing education credit that they need uh, to continue uh, uh, under licensure agreements and so forth. So that, that seems to be the critical thing that Digital Promise is managing to get these credentials to actually count uh, where where it counts for for a teacher in, in in their bottom line, and I suppose states have been fairly accommodating with respect to what counts as professional development in the past. There's no reason why they shouldn't be open to this approach going forward, and that's what we're seeing in the field. That's exactly right. Uh, in, in the article, we said six states uh, had signed up. I think I just saw literally yesterday that it may be up to eight states. Uh, so I think we'll see more. And, you know, the, the critical question, of course, is do districts actually make these opportunities available uh, and known to their teachers? Because that distribution question will be pretty quick, critical, I imagine. Uh, but the evidence is exactly, as you said, that, that it's starting to seep through the system. Though it seems as if some organizations are getting a foothold these days by marketing directly to teachers. I think of sort of classroom tools like Class Dojo that seem to have found a way to sort of avoid going through the district procurement process. You could imagine a similar approach taking hold here as long as states or districts, whoever's making those decisions about what counts in terms of the material incentives for completing professional development are allowing this to count. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And you're going to see Bloomboard play with that. They actually have a partnership with Remind, which very similar to Class Dojo, uh, explosive growth uh, company in Silicon Valley, uh, not in terms of revenue, but in terms of uh, the teachers it serves. Uh, that's a messaging service between teachers and, and parents. Uh, they've partnered with Remind to get the word out and, and also offer some cr credentials from Remind in the process. So where's all this headed? We have currently, you tell us that roughly 14,000 educators in 400 districts in the past year have earned or completed a micro-credential through Bloomboard's platform. Do you expect that number to rise dramatically in the next five years? Yeah, I think we'll see continued growth of it. I think the question uh, is a couplefold. Uh, in addition to the growth, will other uh, platforms enter the fray beyond Digital Promise and Bloomboard, will they have the credibility that Digital Promise has uh, to, to get accepted? And if they do, will they continue to focus on mastery, or will they move to a more traditional form of PD where, sure, it's personalized, but uh, you're not actually demonstrating change in practice? And then the last thing, of course, is will schools actually be looking to the question of, great, you earned this badge, but did it actually help your students? Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of growth. 
I don't think we know whether that growth will be good or not. And that's the question I think we all ought to keep our eyes on. Well, I hope you'll continue to track it for us and maybe write something for the blog that tells us how things are going. I'm looking forward to it. My guest today has been Michael Horn, Distinguished Fellow at the Clayton Christensen Institute for Disruptive Innovations and Executive Editor at Education Next. You can find his column, Competency-Based Learning for Teachers, in the Spring 2017 issue of the journal and online now at educationnext.org. Michael, thanks for being part of the Ednext podcast. Thanks so much, Marty. You've been listening to the Ednext podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And if you're listening through iTunes, please take a minute to leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners to find us.